weapons, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Thanks, Betty. It's only a short one today, but uh, packed full of lots of things for us to learn. So as we come to look at that and think about that, let's pray and ask God to help us understand it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we thank you that it is your letter to us, that you speak to us through it, that, Lord, as we read it, you are speaking directly to our hearts. And, Lord, we pray that that is where uh, your word will go today and that by your spirit, Lord, you will change us, uh, challenge us, encourage us, Lord, uh, to be people who are vibrant followers of you. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We can't believe it. You couldn't possibly think that this could have happened. You couldn't imagine that you'd be sitting in a courtroom today and not only sitting in the courtroom, but it's not just you, but it's the whole Evanshead Presbyterian Church sitting in a courtroom. Uh, how did this happen? How did we get to this point? How did we get to this stage where we're sitting here? can't believe it's going to happen. The judge walks in, people stand and they sit down and then up gets the prosecutor and the prosecutor moves across the floor and he brings in one big television. It's a huge widescreen TV and he's got three DVDs in his hands and you look at them closely and you notice that they're not the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You think, well, we're not going to be watching that today. But as you get a bit of a glimpse of it, you can actually see that there are titles on the side of those DVDs and the title of one of them is The Life and Times of the Evanshead Presbyterian Church. You think, wow, what could be in there? The second one is The Life and, the Pres Life and Times of the Presbyterian Church According to the Community of Evanshead. You think, strike, what could be in that? And then the third one is the life and times of the individual people out of the Evanshead Presbyterian Church. You think, oh no, I'm going to be on that. I don't look good on camera. That mightn't be too good at all. What is going to be in these DVDs? What are they going to be watching? What are they going to see? What will we people be looking at? Well, I wonder what they would see. It would be interesting, wouldn't it, if you had a DVD of the life and times of our church? Uh, would it be interesting if you had a DVD of the life and times of the individuals in our church? It would be interesting to have a life and times of what the people out there in the community think of us in here. It's a challenge, isn't it, to think what would, that, what would be on those DVDs? What would they see? Well, I wonder what they would. I think it's a challenge for us to think that one day we may see those DVDs in one sense. We'll be standing before God and we'll have to give an account for everything that's gone on. But while we're here and now, we need to be thinking, well, how can we put something onto those DVDs that will be positive for God? 
You see, this passage that we're looking at here in, one Philippian, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 to 30 is a really challenging passage about how we live our lives. And it's not just how we live our lives individually, but it's how we live our lives corporately. And the challenge comes in the very first verse. Look at verse 27 and it says this. I think Dave can probably go up to the next one, mate. Oh, well, you can flip there and then go to the... That's fine, mate. It says, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus. Whatever happens, Paul says. And Paul's saying this sitting in prison. He's saying, whatever happens, if I stay in prison or if I die or if I'm released, whatever happens, I want you to live a life that is worthy of Jesus, worthy of the gospel of Jesus. Whatever happens around us, Paul is saying to us this morning, God is saying to you and I this morning, what happens to us? Sitting here this morning, walking down the street, in your job during the week, as you converse with the person, with your neighbour, as you're talking, as you're going out and playing sport, whatever you're doing, live a life that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus. Live a life that's worthy. A friend of mine is a guy called Tim Wilson. He's actually a minister who used to be at Tregear uh, in Sydney. And uh, Tim was home one day and uh, he got a phone call. And when he picked up the phone, he knew that he was going to be in trouble because he knew it was from an Indian call centre about to give him this promo on a new telephone. And so this is how the conversation sort of went. It said, uh, Ah, Mr Wilson, I have a wonderful deal for you on your telephone. If you just give me five minutes, I'll tell you how you can save lots and lots of money on your telephone bill. Well, my friend Tim Wilson is an interesting character and a very quick character. And he shot back straight away to this person, this guy from India. He said, oh, look, I'm really sorry, but I am unworthy to accept this offer that you have. Oh, Mr. Wilson, you are worthy. You are worthy, Mr. Wilson, to have this offer. You are worthy, Mr. Wilson. You can have this offer. It's a a wonderful offer. And then Tim would come back and say, no, look, seriously, I'm unworthy to accept this wonderful offer that you've given to me. Well, that went on for a couple of minutes and then eventually Tim was able to hang up. Uh, Five minutes later, the phone rang. Tim picks up the phone and says, Oh, Mr. Wilson, Mr. Wilson, I have my brother Rashid here. He thinks you're worthy too. (laughs) Unworthy, worthy. It was a rather interesting way. Try that next time they ring up. Tell them you're unworthy to accept the offer. Well, Tim was saying that he was unworthy, but Rashid and uh, his, his brother and Rashid said, no, you're worthy. You're worthy. They had no idea who Tim was, but they decided he was worthy to accept this offer. But are we worthy of the gospel of Jesus? Are our lives a reflection that show that Jesus is the ultimate person that we should be on about? Do our lives reflect that? You see, Paul in those Philippians is saying to his people, we want you to have worthy lives. So if someone does ring you up, he can say you're worthy. God is saying through this passage to you and I this morning that he wants us to live worthy lives of him. He wants us to have when that DVD is opened and placed in, you're not going to quiver and quake and think, oh no, did I do that? Did I really speak that way? Did I really act that way? He wants us to be living lives when we sit there and we go, that really does point to Jesus, doesn't it? That really does reflect well on him. 
You see, that's what we heard last week, didn't we, those that were here. Last week, we found out from Paul that he was so passionate about Jesus that he wanted to live his life completely for him. And he was passionate about Jesus, not just because Jesus was a nice bloke and not just because Jesus had some good teachings, but he was passionate about Jesus because Jesus took him from being an enemy to God to being a friend of God for eternity. Jesus stood in where we should stand. Jesus stood in where the unworthy, us, who are imperfect, who do the wrong thing, who are unworthy really in the sight of God, are made worthy with God because of Jesus. He takes all the stuff that we do wrong and removes it, plasters it on the cross and says, you are now worthy to stand with God forever. That's a phenomenal thing. That's why Paul is passionate about Jesus. He knows what position he was in, he knows where he is now, and he knows it's all because of Jesus. And so he's passionate about that, and he believes that because Jesus has done that for him, then he needs to live a life that is worthy of Jesus himself. And that's the same for us. But we're not just left to ourselves. God gives us his spirit within us to give us that opportunity to live for Jesus, to help us to do us, to enable us to live for him. You see, a life worthy of Jesus is a life lived for Jesus. That's what a worthy life is. A life worthy of Jesus is a life lived for Jesus. A life based on, a life directed by, a life in line with the life of Jesus. So how do we go about doing that? How can we actually have our lives changed that way? Well, I think we need to actually spend a bit more time finding out about Jesus, don't we? We often talk about him and people say that he was this sort of bloke and he was like, but how often do we actually just spend time reading about Jesus? When was the last time you sat down, opened up the Bible and just read through one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and just spent time contemplating this guy Jesus, looking at him, thinking about it, taking time out just to contemplate him, Well, let me encourage you to do that. But let me encourage you to do that by getting along to a growth group. Uh, After February the 3rd, on the 5th of February, we're holding a growth group uh, expose, I suppose, here in the church on uh, Tuesday night, where we're going to be telling you what our growth groups are, what they're going to be doing, how they operate, what they're on about. You may already have been in one before. You may be able to get people up. I'll get up people to tell you how good they are for them. But we're going to be learning about Jesus in the first eight weeks of this term. We're going to be looking at eight people who met Jesus. And we're going to be spending time looking at Jesus. So let me encourage you, if you want to know how to live a life worthy of Jesus, which is a life lived for Jesus, get into Jesus. Spend some time looking at him. Because I can guarantee you he'll blow you away. If you take the time to look at him, don't just gloss over it. Don't think I know what he's like. Read about him. Spend some time contemplating him. Do that at home. Come to our growth groups this term because that's what we're going to be spending time on, looking at Jesus. That's the way that we'll be able to come like him. In one sense, what Paul is saying here that it's not just an individual thing either. He's actually speaking to the church here. He's actually saying, you in general, you people here are to be living lives worthy of Jesus as a group. Not just the individual person over here, but you together as a group. 
The wording that they use here is, in a sense, more like uh, you're a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of this, therefore live a life worthy of heaven. And that makes a lot of sense to the Philippians because the Philippians were a Roman colony. And to be known as a Roman colony throughout the world at that time was a very privileged position. If you're a Philippian and you're in the Roman colony, you had all the rights of a Roman citizen throughout the known world at that stage. You had the rights in the legal system, you had the rights in regards to where you could live and how you could live. You basically were on the rolls of Rome. Your name was there. You had all the privileges that went with that. And therefore you are to live as people of Rome. When in Rome, doing as the Romans do, that's where it comes from. What we're saying here, when you are a follower of Jesus, when your citizenship is no longer here but in heaven, therefore live as citizens of heaven here. Right now. Together. When someone walks into this building on a Sunday morning, they should get a glimpse of heaven. That's a big call, isn't it? Now let me tell you, it's a pretty cloudy glimpse. Okay, because we're here. <laughs> that is because when you get to heaven, we're not going to have all our foibles and all our problems and all the things that we do wrong. We're not going to have all those parts, but it's going to be about people. You see, when they walk in here, it's not so much the decor, and I'm saying that there's going to be maroon chairs and uh, a band in the corner and some ugly dude up the front speaking to you. That's not the glimpse of heaven that we're talking about here. It is the lives that we live here together that gives them a glimpse of heaven as we relate to one another, as we love for one another, as we care for one another, as we have wide ranges of ages together, that we're not just thinking we're just not all about little kids, we're not all about older people, we're about everybody together. That is the glimpse of heaven. That is what we are to be like. That is a life lived worthy of the gospel of Jesus, individually and corporately, together. And it's not going to be easy. Uh, we need to do it together. We need to stand together. We need to be united in what we do. Look at what the rest of verse 27 says. Then whether I come to you see and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. I will know that you stand firm together. United we stand, divided we fall. Uh, you'll see lots of different films out there, won't you? If uh, You get to see a bug's life. Uh, one bug by himself taking on these whole lot of grasshoppers. He's in huge trouble. But when the colony of millions of ants stand together, those, uh, they're in trouble. Well, I can't remember what they are. Grasshoppers. The grasshoppers are in trouble, aren't they? They are in big trouble. Stand together, we can do it divided, we're not going to be able to do it. Now, Paul goes on, and we're going to speak more about this next week, but in, verses two, in chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, he really hammers the unity aspect, and I'm going to hammer that next week a bit more. But what can I say this morning is, please, we are to be people who are be united in our vision and our passion for Jesus. That doesn't mean that we can't have disagreements in regards to certain things and we need to talk through those things. But when we do have disagreements, when we don't like what's going on, we don't take our bat and ball and run. We stay, we talk it through, we love one another through it and we work it out. 
When we don't like what's going on, we don't walk out the door and go out in the middle of the street and say to the person, oh, gee, I hated what they did just then. Or you don't sit down in the coffee house down the street and chat about the things that you don't like about what's happening at church. We don't gossip about stuff. We are unified in wanting to love Jesus and live a life worthy of Jesus and we do that outside and when we have problems we talk about it together. If you've got an issue with one person, you go and have a chat to them. If you've got an issue maybe with how they're running the church, come and talk to me, talk to the elders. We sit and we work it out. Because what Paul is saying here is the reputation I want to hear about you is that you stand united. That's what he wants to hear. And let me tell you, there are hundreds of thousands of churches that are littered throughout history, throughout Australia, that have been decimated and destroyed by disunity. And it's sad. It rips the heart out of people and it rips the heart out of God because that's not what he desires. Jesus says, you will know my disciples because of the love that they have one another and he prays that they will be united together. We've got to work hard at it. We've got to work hard at staying united together otherwise we will fall. And I'm going to talk more about that next week but just keep that in mind. We've got to work hard at it, guys. We've got to work hard at loving one another. Don't give up on each other. Because it's going to get tough. Times are not going to be easy. Look at what Paul says in verse 20, uh, 28. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. (laughs) You're going to suffer. We're going to suffer. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough together. But we need to stand together, otherwise we're going to be divided and we're going to fall. Now what Paul's talking about here is not specifically health problems. It's not particularly financial problems. What he's talking about here is that people, will you'll actually be not liked by other people outside. But it's going to be tough in the community that you live in. But some people are not going to like you because you love Jesus. Now here in Australia, we probably don't feel that quite as acutely as if you were sitting in the middle of Iraq right now. If you're in the middle of Iraq right now, you wouldn't be sitting like this. It wouldn't happen. Uh, you'd be either up, quivered away in a corner or you'd be worried about the fact that the next minute you walk out in the street, you're going to be shot. Uh, If you're in the middle of Israel at the moment, Palestine, you'd be scared stiff as well. In other parts of Africa, the Sudan, uh, Chad, you'd be scared because your life was literally on the line for your belief. Puts it in a bit of perspective, doesn't it? But for here, for you and I, the greatest problem we have, and I'm not going to say this is a small problem because I I suffer from it as well, the greatest issue that we have and the suffering that we have is the fact that we think that we're not going to be liked because of what we believe. That somehow we're going to be shunned or somehow someone's going to have a go at us and think we're stupid or we're idiots or you're a wowser or you're something like that. That's our real problem, isn't it? That's what we're scared of. 
We're scared of people not liking us. And it's a real fear. Don't get me wrong, it's a real fear. Because in some way we feel like either we're going to miss out or somehow someone's not going to be friends with us anymore. Somehow we're going to be knocked around. Or, and, and it happens to us, doesn't it? I'm not going to tell you that it doesn't happen. It does. People, there's just some people out there who are not going to like us. What Paul is saying here is that's going to happen. But what he's saying here is there's a way to stand firm within that by being unified together, by seeking to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus. That is how you will stand through all that. You actually need people around you to stand. You're not going to be able to stand it by yourself. If you think you're going to go down to the pub and think you're going to be able to handle it and be able to do it there and handle it, you might handle it for the first time you go down, but for the fourth or fifth time it's just going to get to you and either you're going to run away from it or you're going to succumb to it and stay there and get caught up in what's going on. Now, don't get me wrong, I go to the pub and have a few beers too. It's a good thing to do. But when you get caught up in that and then it drags you away and then you think, I don't know whether I really want to hang on to my Christianity, maybe I should give it up here, maybe I should take off, maybe I need to float off with my mates over here, you can't do it by yourself. You will float away. That's why Paul says we need to stand firm together. That's why we've got to be committed to making sure we get together here on Sunday. That's why we've got to say we're committed to get together the growth group during the week because they are the things that are going to hold you firm. You need people around you. You need to link arms. You need to stand there together and hold each other up and encourage one another and build one another up and help one another because no one else is. And that's the way God's made us and that's the way God wants it to be. He wants us standing together beside one another, encourage one another, building one another up, sharing how Jesus is working in our lives, sharing the struggles that we have in life, sharing the fact that it's not easy and then praying and loving and being there for each other through it. That's what we're going to make an effort to be, guys. Otherwise, we won't stand. Can I encourage you not to compromise on making that a priority in your life, of standing with each other, getting here on Sunday at all costs, getting there to growth group during the week, even when you get home from your work and you think, oh, strike, I'm tired. The idiot box is going to be far easier, whereas actually the idiot box is just going to take you further away. It's not easy, guys, is it? But Paul says we need to stand firm together. Make that effort. If you're not in a growth group yet and you'd like to be, come along on February the 5th because we'll make sure there's one available for you. We'll make sure we can tag you in because we want to stand with you. We want to be there with you so that when those videotapes come up, when they're placed in there, you're going to see your life. You're going to see our life. And at the end of it, they're going to say, they are worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you this morning, Lord, and uh, it's not easy, Lord, following you, and you've told us that. Uh, Lord, it's a wonderful joy and it's a great privilege to be able to do it. And uh, Lord, we have wonderful blessings for following you, Lord. But in this world that we live, it's tough.
in the world that we live it's difficult and lord we just thank you that you've provided opportunities for us to stand firm together but lord you know that but yet you encourage us to spend time together because that's the way lord you know that we will stand and we won't fall lord by your spirit lord encourage us to make every effort to not compromise to get together to stand together so that when we go out and live amongst the world that you've placed us we won't live lives that are compromised of our faith but lives that are worthy worthy of the gospel of jesus christ worthy of people who are part of your family lord lord we lay our lives before you because we can't do it without you and we can't do it without each other we ask and pray these things in jesus name Amen.